Jesus came, took away the first, and established a second. He said, by this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, this is our Lord Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Please notice this one offering thing, no, and the one time thing. One sacrifice, one offering. Is that verse 15? And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. He, also, he then says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where, where there is forgiveness of sins, there's no longer any offering for sin. Please, I feel like reading some more. Please pardon me. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, that is the new and living way. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking one, our own assembly together as a habit of some. Now let me just stop here. But encourage one another and all the more as you see the day, day drawing near. Now why did I read this? Like I said, we are trying to see what, who the Lord Jesus is who he was, and who is, he is as to come. Are you getting my point? Now, so, what we're looking at what he did. Today, when I was thinking about the meeting, about today's meeting, what came to my mind was to start the real teaching from the point in which John the Baptist introduced him. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is, John the Baptist, when he introduced the Lord Jesus to his disciples, that is, they used to be disciples of John, they now became disciples of Jesus. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the whole world. Now, I want you to note that point. Who is Jesus? Jesus literally is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. Now, I, need, I want to start by explaining why a lamb was needed in the first place. That's one thing we must understand. Now, I want you to understand something. When sin entered into the world, this was what happened. This is literally... Now, let me just say something to you here. Sometimes scientists talk as if, you know... In fact, one day I finished preaching. It was a meeting where a lot of people were invited. One man, a scientist, a professor, actually, he came to me. He said that, look, that, that's a different... Now, he's also a doctor. Are you getting my point? He's a doctor of a field in medicine. Sorry, he's a professor of a field in medicine. So he said, look, that, that, that faith and science... Uh, he was trying to explain something to me. I said, sir, <laughs> I said, faith and science, if the science is pure, they are saying the same thing. Faith is not something we accept because we have no proof. No. Faith is something, all right? When we believe something by faith, it is that we have dug into a realm higher than that which science easily can attain. 
But if science was objective, if science was pure and was not biased against the knowledge of God, they would have discovered what you and I call faith eventually. Listen, you know, because of my interest in studying and all of that, I read a lot of interesting things. I have discovered that many things that we have taken by faith, science is finding out now. I'll give you a few examples. Have you ever heard this before? You know, people want to criticize Christianity. They make it look as Christianity as if faith is for those who don't know anything, who don't think. Have you ever considered that before? Let me give you an example. They will tell you that there was a time in Galileo, that the church was persecuting Galileo because he said that, uh, is it Galileo, that the earth, is it Caponicus? Which one of the Caponicus? That the earth is flat, that he said the earth is round, that the church said the earth is flat and all of that. They project things like that to you. To give you the impression that Christianity is for those who don't think. But not those things, they are lies. They will tell you things like, um, the, it has been shown that the earth is not the center of the universe. Have you heard that before? Now, how many of you believe that the earth is not the center of the universe? Don't put up your hand because you don't even know. It's not true. To say the earth is not the center of the universe is not true. You know what I found out recently? I mean, my children, they even watch this. There's a program on, I think, in, on um, National Geographic that's hosted by Stephen Hawking. Arguably the greatest physicist of modern times. You understand? Now, this is a man who has motor neuron disease, what they call Lou Gehrig's disease. He's totally paralyzed. Every single part of him is paralyzed. He can only tinyly move one eyebrow, I think. And maybe one little minute movement in a finger. He has a disease that's interesting, but the easy way to remember is Lou Gehrig's disease. That's the easy way to remember the What's your, why are you laughing? The thing that was hard to remember. Lugeric is somebody's name. That's why I'm telling them that. Okay, I'll give them the real name. It's called amyotropic lateral sclerosis. That's the one he wants me to tell you. Don't mind this weekend, so. <laughs> I said Lugeric and you're laughing. Which one do you want me to say? <laughs> All right, is that, well, Lugeric is one um, American baseball star who had the disease, so they named it after him. You understand? Uh-huh. So, now, he has Lugeric's disease. Diagnosed when he was a PhD holder, all right? You can just Google it, or you see, always stumped like this. He can hardly... In fact, the only reason why he's alive is because he's Stephen Hawking. They inject all kinds of monies into making him able to talk. He can't talk, but he has learned to control a computer with his mind, and the little figure of movement, he can make statements. So the computer talks for him, all right? And he's a, he's a serious genius. His brain is many computers in one. He said one day, within his paralyzed state, he dictated some, I heard this recently, equations for his secretary. That's what he is. He's a a physicist, mathematician. All right? He dictated some calculations for his secretary. And suddenly he realized he made a mistake. And he he can't move. He went back in his mind, 10 pages back, and told the lady where to go back and start from. He's that intelligent. Now, listen. Stephen Hawking said something. What is the center of the universe? That's what I'm talking about. He said the center of the universe is anywhere you are observing it from. That's all the story I told you is to be able to make one simple statement. They laughed at the church before as if we don't know what we are saying. After centuries or I don't know decades, now they have settled. Science has now reached a point where people of faith knew long ago. And they said, the center of the universe is where you are observing it from. Since we are on the earth, it's therefore not silly for us to believe that it is the center of the universe. And you say, how can it be? The universe, nobody knows the shape, nobody knows what it's like. 
You know, some time ago, if you read one of our, one of our previous magazines, I explained the principle that people make it look as, when you say there's heaven, it looks like it's ridiculous. Are you getting my point? But now, science has now shown that it's not ridiculous. Why? There's what they call the concept of the multiverse. Now, before you know about what? The universe. But now they talk about the multiverse. That during the Big Bang, if the expansion of the elements was faster than the speed of light, it would have created multiverses. I said, it's one of our magazines, I wrote it there. I said, then who said the concept of heaven is unrealistic? By today's scientific knowledge, hmm? everything you believe spiritually makes sense. But most of the people who teach physics, all these small, small boys who didn't even study biology, who, was, uh, who didn't even study serious science, who, because they are teaching biology and teaching physics and teaching chemistry, they want to talk like they know something. They don't know anything. Any science saying faith is ridiculous is inferior science you have not advanced enough. I don't want to start teaching you science. If you know real science, even though it, has, it, it can't prove to you that Jesus died on the cross, but it lets you know that spiritual things are real and tangible. It lets you know that there are things you don't understand. Faith is not something you just want to believe because you have to believe something. Faith is the way by which you measure things that science cannot measure. Faith is the revelation of the realm that right now the machines around can't measure. That's what it is. Faith is not something we imagine. The realms we contact by faith, they are real realms. Are you getting my point? Yes, they are real realms. They actually exist. They exist. They exist. Any man, any woman who can grasp faith has advanced scientifically. He has advanced. He has advanced. He's going to, you are knowing things now that physicists would have would study for another 500 years to be able to develop machines to be able to detect those things. That's what we are saying. What are we trying to say here? So when sin came into the world, he did a tangible thing. It warped the movement of the stars. It changed the way the moon behaved. It changed the way the earth responded to things happening around it. It changed everything around. Let's make a long story short. Literally, this our universe was polluted by sin. It was polluted by sin. It was polluted by sin. Things were turned upside down by sin. That is a literal thing. Now, this is why we're, we're, we're talking about it. Okay? Now, everything that has been disordered needed to be reordered. Now, another thing I want to say. Now, what was sin? Sin was disobedience. That's what our sin manifested. Sin is actually rebellion in the heart, okay, that manifests as disobedience. Let me say that again. Sin is when there is rebellion inside the heart and it manifests outwardly as disobedience. That is what sin is, okay? Now, so when that is, you know, when that is executed, when that is bursted into the earth, it sends out, let me, please, pardon me to use this expression, it sends out poisonous rays, poisonous spiritual substance is released all around. Now, I've talked about forgiveness before. Let me talk about it briefly. That is why God cannot just overlook sin. Now, the principle that God is just is also a reasonable principle. It follows order. What I mean by that is this. If God, let me give an example now. You, 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 okay, this is my best example all the time. I'm driving on the road. A man is drunk or is a bad driver or is in a hurry. Then slams into my car, peels off my paint, dents my fender, breaks my light. And he's a Nigerian. What does he come out doing? Sorry, sir. He jumps out and he starts prostrating. And the annoying set of people will not join him. They don't have the, a car. 
They were not the one driving. They don't have money. Actually, they don't have anywhere they are going. They now join the man to start pleading. And they plead in such a manner as to make you look like a wicked soul. The man says, sorry now, but he's begging you. <laughs> as if he's begging you, we repair my fender. He's begging you, we respray my car. He's begging you, we buy the broken light. You've heard me teach it before. Please don't ever join that kind of begging. It's ungodly. If you, you say, shouldn't I apologize? Let me tell you how to do it. You go there. Sir, this is serious. Your car has been damaged. It has to be fixed. Don't start with sorry, sir. Sorry, sir, what is the meaning? Tell him, sir, it has to be fixed. How do we go about it? That is how to apologize on somebody's behalf. That is when you are a redeemer. That's how redeemers behave. Jobless by the one that says, oh God. But he's begging you. They start getting angry, sir. <laughs> Have you noticed the way they get angry? What is it, sir? But he has been begging you since. Okay, go and kill him now. <laughs> You're wondering. The car is not your own. People will be begging, what I call useless begging, jobless begging. So if you want to do it, you know what to do? You go there and say, this thing has to be fixed. What are we going to do about it? If you really want to, if you don't want to beg, go. If you really want to get involved in intercession, understand, in supplication, you come with an, <laughs> you come with an appropriate sacrifice. You're getting my point? You dip your hand in your pocket and you put something down. Of course, that's how we, listen, that is how I'm teaching you something. That's, that's how you live life. Hmm? Don't go and say, bele, bele, do, do. When Jesus was touched with the feeling of our infirmities, he died for our sins. You are getting the principle here. You see somebody suffering. You know, some people, they go to hospital, go and be greeting people. Please, stop going to hospital to greet people. The sick man needs to rest. You now sit down there, do, bele. So where is spending you now? Your leg. <laughs> It has moved to your waist. Oh, sorry, oh. He said, you are showing compassion. In Jesus' name, go home with your compassion. We don't want. When Jesus showed compassion, he solved the problem. Okay, he said, how do I do? You okay, the man is in hospital. He's paying bills. Sometimes, he, okay, he can't eat. The people caring for him, they need to eat. So when you are coming, stop by somewhere. Buy a pack of food, a pack of juice and water. And say, ah, I came to greet um, um, the elder so so and so who is sick. I, I heard he's not conscious; he can't eat. But you, you're having to sit here morning, afternoon, and night instead of going home to go and look for what to eat. Take and eat. That is compassion. All this though, brother, sorry, it shall be well. James banned you from praying such rubbish prayers. Don't just come and mark register. Ah, you know, I'd like to tell the truth. Though. Next time you are going to greet somebody in the hospital, that's how you do it. If the person is awake, give him the thing you brought. This is food. Please, you eat. Give him it. It doesn't have to be something. It can be even be a message. Okay, I brought this message. Listen to it. It will help you. If you can read while you're in hospital, read this book. Something that costs you something. You are getting my point here. It costs you, you, you buy something. And then, of course, if he's been discharged, there's no national health insurance that's very working. Very, you know, our health insurance is still in... Um, it's in infancy. That's a good word. You gave me the right word. Infancy. Get ready to donate something. If you have somebody has surgery, you, you and TH, and it was there for three weeks. <laughs> oh boy. That is what they call hemolysis. That is, three weeks after surgery, 
Boy, the guy is going to bleed badly financially. The Lord is good. Please, you see, you see what has this got to do with your message? You see it in a moment, all right? Now, I'm talking about the fact that when sin came out, that's why God cannot just overlook sin. That's why every time sin must be paid for. It's not just a matter of forget it. Like I said, the man who, who bashes my car and he says, sorry, sir. You know what he's saying? Go and look for money and solve the problem I cost. That's the meaning of, sorry, sir. He's saying to me, I bashed your car. Okay. Plus the things that are damaged and all of that, it's going to cost you maybe like um, 50000 naira to fix. So when I say sorry, what I'm saying in effect is, go and look for 50000 and fix a problem I cost. Now, even if I don't do it, if I say to the man, okay, don't worry about it, go. Which, I mean, many of us do that a lot of times. Even me, is preaching like this. I, I, I've done things like that, you know. Well, of course, it's normal. It's not as if you're not a vengeful person. You're always holding. But I like people to understand. That's how sin is. Let me tell you something about sin. Sin is so dangerous. To wipe out the effect of sin, Jesus had to die. Please, I hope you're getting what I'm going to explain here. That is how dangerous sin is. To wipe out the effect of sin, Jesus had to die. Now, I want you to understand something. Unless God was defrauded, it means that that's how expensive it is for him to have used the blood of Jesus for that transaction. But he cannot be defrauded. In him is light. There's nothing hidden before him. He understands everything. He created everything. Now, sin is not just overlooked. Sin is not just, don't worry about it, don't do it again. Sin is always paid for. So when Adam sinned, God couldn't just tell him, don't worry about it. It had to be paid. That payment had to happen. Because the effect of the sin has to be cleansed. That's what I'm saying. Now, but did Adam pay by himself? How can he? He's a sinner. And the sinner's blood is not pure enough to pay for his sins. Let me tell you something. There's a difference between punishment for sin and wiping away the effect of sin. You could have punished Adam for his sin, but that's the best you will accomplish. You punish Adam. Let me give an example. That the man who bashed my car, that's, imagine that kind of situation now. Somebody bashed my car. You get my point? And then we take him, like they used to do those days in Europe, we take him to the debtor's prison because he can't pay. Has that repaired the car? You take him to prison, he's in jail. Would that fix what he damaged? All you have done is that you managed to punish him for his sins. But you have not solved the problem he caused. That's what we're talking about. Only Jesus could do that. Even if somebody sinned and you punish the person for his sins, it has not removed the effect of sin. No, it hasn't removed the effect of sin. The effect of sin is only removed by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, please, I hope you are getting my point here. So that was why God had to prepare a lamb. That's why he had to prepare a lamb for sacrifice. That's why Jesus had to come. That's what I'm explaining. So when we're talking about Jesus being the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world, he was not just buying forgiveness for us. That is one thing. But I've explained to us, forgiveness is actually expensive. When God says, go and sin no more, that sin you've already committed, what Jesus was doing was that he was collecting it and putting it into his account as things that he has to pay. I hope you're getting my point. And listen to me. 
this, like I said, well, I took a lot of time explaining physics and all of that. I wanted to establish that it is not a religious matter. Right now, we may not understand the physics behind it, but it's not a religious matter. You know, sometimes, I, you know, because of the profession I'm involved in and all of that, we sit down and be talking about gene mutations. And I've reasoned about it. Why should genes mutate? Why? I'll tell you. It's called the force of sin. Listen, let me tell you something. If you know the mechanism that the good Lord put in place for a gene not to mutate, <laughs> you will not believe in evolution. Even those who teach you, you'll be asking them, how did you manage to believe in evolution? Why do things still go wrong? What am I explaining to you? It's a force in the air called the spirit of death. That is what is called death. And that's what sin brought into the world. That thing has to be turned and pushed back. What happened was God now sent his only begotten son for him to turn back the force of death. And he brought the spirit of life. No matter how much you punish Adam for his sin, life cannot come from punishing somebody. Please, I hope you are getting my principle here. It's so important to understand this. So, what happened is that, but God had to bless people over time before Jesus would come. And what he did was to give them sacrifices. He gave them bulls, goats, and all of those things. And you know what they were? They were like a sign of faith because no matter what it is that Jesus does, except you believe in it, you are not blessed by it. Please, I hope you are following what I'm saying. Now, so this is what happens. What, God, what the Lord now did was that he gave people sacrifices so that, for example, before Adam and Eve left the garden, what's the first thing he did? He sacrificed something for them to cover temporarily the effect of their sins. Anybody God related with, he had to relate with on the basis of a blood sacrifice. And when God called Israel, the covenant was on the basis of a blood sacrifice. There was no other way. When Israel was, now because you know, we read that Hebrews chapter 10, to show that Israel had blood sacrifices. And those blood sacrifices were supposed to be the thing that kept them covered. Please listen to this. But the Bible says, we read there clearly, that the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. So why was it working for them? I'll tell you. That blood of bulls and goats was like a sign of faith in the sacrifice that God had prepared. So that, listen to this, what I'm about to tell you. So that when Jesus came, from the Bible calculation, like 6,000 years later, uh, no, 4,000 years later, all right? And he died for sin. That included the one that Adam and Eve committed in the garden, which by virtue of the sacrifice that was offered was kept, that the sin was kept covered. Then when Jesus came, he paid for that sin. That blood of Jesus is so vast in his cover that people who came 2,000 years after him if they sin, are you getting my point? They look back at that cross, their sin is also covered by the effect of that blood that was shed on his cross. And that's why John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. He did not say he took away the sin of Israel. Because some people look at, I've heard preachers preach as if he came only for Israel. He did not come for Israel. He came for the sin of the whole world because Adam was not an Israelite. He was not. Noah was not. Abraham was not. Isaac was not. What we call Israel is the name that God gave to who? Jacob. Yet the sins of all those people were covered by the sacrifice that Jesus brought. Please, I hope you are getting my point. 
What I want to emphasize here is this. I need to say this and I'll, I'll close with it. When you read your Bible, like we read Hebrews chapter 10. In fact, if you start from the book of Hebrews chapter 1, just open there quickly. I need to explain this. Now, I want you to notice something here. Verse 1. He said, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he opposed all things by the word of his power. Let me, I want to stop here. Because what I just wanted is that first line. I just wanted to read a bit of um, context. He said, God spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. And then in these last days has spoken to us in his son. Now what I want there is the issue. Continue to use the word former times. And then we now have these last days. I want to explain something to you here. That principle divides the epochs of mankind into two. Before Jesus came, and then the last days. So the former times are the times before the Lord Jesus came, and then the last days. Now, please follow what I want to say carefully. This will just give you some perspective when you understand this, when you read this, the Bible. Now, what happened in the former times? Most of it that happened all over the world, we don't know. What the Bible records very well is what happened to Israel. It recorded that one very well, and to nations that surround Israel. If you read the book of Genesis, Genesis was written to bring the story down to Abraham. And from there to Israel. And they talk about the nations that surround Israel. But when the prophets were going to prophesy later, they prophesied including things that have to do with the whole world. Now, I'm not talking about that in details. I want to explain something here. So when you see God giving sacrifices, things like that, to Israel, as a matter of fact, those in Africa were also sacrificing. You, you, you see something? That's why everywhere in this world that people have gone to, they have met people offering sacrifices. Now, listen to this. Sacrifices come in generally two forms. There were animal sacrifices and then human sacrifices. God did not, you see it in Israel, he did not accept human sacrifice. But why do people do human sacrifice, I'll tell you. It's simply because they understood spiritual things. They did. They did. Sacrifices, please listen to this, are very powerful. Sacrifices affect what happens in the realm of the spirit. Sacrifices are very, very potent. And they happened in every part of the world. You come to Africa, if there was a famine, they offer sacrifices. If they were happy, they offer sacrifices. It was not just a Jewish thing. It was something that was needed to keep mankind going. They had to offer sacrifices. Now, it went down to different levels. Some degenerated very badly. Some were very good, like the one that God taught them in Israel. But the fact is that human beings had to offer sacrifices. But, this is where I'm going with all this teaching. The Bible said there were two epochs. The former times and what? In the last days. The last days is marked by what? The coming and the sacrificing of the Lord Jesus. After that. Somebody say after that. that. Every blood sacrifice is a waste. Now, I went to that to explain something. If you see, like the way the book of Hebrews was speaking, you would think he came to end just sacrifice for Israel. No, he didn't. He came to end sacrifices for everybody. Every single human being, every single part of the human race, God came to offer sacrifices for all of us. Now, what I'm going to explain here is, is, listen, my people, listen, my people, this is what I want to say. The blood of Jesus was shed to end every form of sacrifice. Every form. If you see Ogoni people gather to offer sacrifice, tell them that their sacrifice is obsolete. You are getting my point? If somebody has a problem, he goes to a shrine and they say, bring sacrifice. Sacrifices were offered for sin. 
That's why if he went to the shrine, the shrine would tell him, go and bring something. And even in Israel, that's why I was talking about that. Israel had different kinds of sacrifices. There are times you brought, a, a, what they call it, a ram. There are times you brought turtle doves. You brought different things for sacrifices. But once, the reason why those things were done was that it is believed that we need to cover your sin. We need to make an atonement for your soul. Israel was doing it, so were they doing it in Africa. Israel was doing it, they were doing it in Asia. Israel was doing it, they were doing it in South America. Israel was doing it, people were doing it in other parts of the world. I don't know where people were living on that time because not everywhere was populated. But wherever people were, this thing was going on. So that now, the sacrifice of Jesus did not come. Listen to that. The sacrifice of Jesus did not come to end sacrifices in Israel alone. It is just that they were the ones that recorded the Bible for us. In the, that former time, everybody offered sacrifices for the same reason. It was for their sin. It was to reduce the effect of the sin in the environment. That was why they offered sacrifices if there was famine. That's why they offer sacrifices if a woman is in labor and she can't deliver. They offer sacrifices for everything. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. That was the way you paid God, in quotes, the judge. That was how you suspended. Now, you must understand something. They did not have the revelations of Israel, but they had at least a part of the operations of those spiritual principles. Look at um, Balaam. When Balaam wanted to pray, when he wanted to approach... Now, you must understand what Balaam was doing. Can I take a minute to talk about Balaam? Just explain a particular principle. Let me just take a minute to talk about him. Now, what was Balaam doing? Please, follow what I want to say. It will help you to understand life, alright? Everybody that says he can place a curse on somebody is nothing but an advocate on the negative side. Actually, the better word is an accuser. But I want to use modern word. You have to be a lawyer of some sort. A complainant. Because on this earth, God only is judge. Do you follow my point? Now, for Balaam to do anything against the people of God, he doesn't talk directly. Balaam was a very smart man. He understood operations of the realm of the spirit. So he knew that he had to approach God. So he needed to offer a sacrifice for himself before he could approach God to make petition. He was going to make petition on behalf of um, of um, Moab, right? Yeah, that's Balak. Yeah, the Moabites. He had to offer sacrifices for them. I hope you're getting my point here. That was why each time, Balaam had to build an altar and offer sacrifices. To start making his petition. Now, listen to this. He needed to make petitions before God against Israel. The only problem was that by the time he was making his petitions... There was nothing to accuse. It was, please, understand spiritual things. They had to bring forth accusations. But their own sins had been covered by the blood of their own sacrifices. I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying here. Their own sins had been covered by the blood of their sacrifices. Now, so this is what happens. So on this earth, everybody offers sacrifices. But when Jesus came, every sacrifice that was needed... Every sacrifice that was offered, first of all, before that time, and every sacrifice being needed after that time, Jesus had already paid. I'll give an example. That's why Christians don't worry about anything. Because if somebody were to approach the throne of God to bring up accusations after you, what they, against you, what they would discover is what? If your faith in Christ, 
Every sin that you committed with which they should have brought accusation against you has been covered by the blood of Jesus. And listen to me, you don't offer any other sacrifice. No, you don't. You're not allowed to. Not in that regard. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. As we Christians, we preachers, we do funny things. You know, you heard me talk about how powerful sacrifices are now. You heard it. Did you follow me what I was trying to explain? Good, I want to be sure you're following me. This is where we preachers often spoil it. I will tell you what sacrifice did. How one man offered his son as a sacrifice. And indignation turned against Israel. I will tell you what sacrifice did. How Adam was saved from death by sacrifice. They now go somewhere. You know where we often end it? What they will now do is simple. They will now say, today, you will now make a sacrifice that will secure your destiny. Listen to me. That is blasphemy and insult against the blood of Jesus. Blasphemy on the part of the person that called for it and on the part of the person that responded to it. I want you to understand what Jesus did. Who Jesus is. When you are saying I'm praying in the name of Jesus, know what you are talking about. Oh. Listen. I hear, I hear preachers saying all the time. You know a lot of time, the times, eh? They, they, they don't mean harm. They don't know better. They heard somebody else say it. They think it's the way to talk to Christians. No. Go back to the Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read that one. What am I going to do? I just want to emphasize to us what Jesus did for us. I want us to see what he did. Why we serve him so much. Now you see verse 9. He said, then he said, behold, I have come to do your will. He said, he takes away the first in order to do what? Establish the second. Now first let me pause and quickly say something here. That's one place where people sometimes make a mistake. They think he took away only the first for Israel. He took away the first for everybody. It's just that this account was talking about the first that Israel had. But that first in which we needed the blood of bulls and goats that all Africans were doing, he took it away also. He took it away for everybody. Once he established the second, it was established in the second for everybody. I hope you get my point here. Now let's continue reading. Now you now see where I'm going. Now verse 12. Let's start from 11. Every Dibia stands daily ministering. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> I just want you to know it's not only Israeli priests that was, they were doing this. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. I please, you must understand something. The word sin also means sin and its effect. Are you getting my point? Verse 12. It said, But he, that is Jesus, having offered how many sacrifices? One. I didn't hear you well. One. One sacrifice for sins for how long? One. Sorry, for how long? For how long? Does it include your problems and mine today? What does the Bible say here? Forever. For all time. He said he offered one sacrifice for all time. Verse 14. Please go there. For by how many offerings? One offering. He has perfected for how long? All time. Forever. Those who are sanctified. Listen to me, saints of God. Jesus has wiped away every need for sacrifices. Did you hear what I said? Let's get it clear. If you see somebody sacrificing a goat, tell him that is not necessary. 
this does not work anymore. He said, what works now? He said, this goat was supposed to be a foretaste, a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to bring. So the fellow said, what am I supposed to do? You are supposed to believe in the sacrifice of Jesus and it is credited to your account. A man was preaching. He said, your parents probably made, uh, what do you call it? Vows to take sacrifice to the shrine when you were born. That now you have to pay the vows. Tell the person it's no longer necessary. That the vow for sacrifice that my parents made has been covered by the blood of Jesus. My parents did not know Christ when they made that vow on my behalf. Now that I know Christ, I'm telling the gods, in quote, in quote now, that was waiting for the sacrifice to be fulfilled to go and collect their portion of the blood of Jesus, if they can handle it. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. I'm telling us what Christ came to do, who Christ is. He is the Lamb of God that in all reality, not faith, not that it's just a faith matter. No, the spiritual release that sin left in the atmosphere, he is the Lamb of God that came to wipe it off. Sin came, damaged spiritual cars, broke spiritual mirrors. You're getting my point here. It damaged cars in the realm of the spirit. Even if you punish the driver, you cannot reverse it. But Jesus came and paid in such a manner that the car has been made new. It's as if it was never bashed. Listen to me. If the world understands, as a group of people, understands the faith of Christ, understands what Jesus did for them, as in wiping away the effect of the sin of Adam. I am telling you something. United Nations will not have work again. They won't have work. I don't have time to go into because I'm watching my time. I want to close right now. Otherwise, sometimes when I see how people get into conflicts, you know there's no hope on this earth. Men will continue to fight. There's no hope. There is physically no hope. Because what drives them to conflict and wars Human beings, you can't reason it away from their hearts. United Nations was started to end wars. They said the World War II will be the end of all wars. There have been more wars between World War II and now than the whole generation of mankind before World War II. That is, the world fought more after United Nations was formed than before United Nations was formed. Why? Because there is sin in the air. That's what I'm going to say. When we're talking about sin, not just the commission of a wrong deed, but the spiritual effect of disobedience is in the air. But if the world understood and applied that sacrifice of Jesus to it, because whatever Jesus does, except by faith we activate it, it is not relevant in our lives. Are you getting my point? If we did, if we understood it, believe me, all the troubles of this world will vanish in 24 hours. Suddenly, men will not have the ability to tie bombs to their body and blow it up. That spirit is an effect of sin. It's removed because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Please, I hope you are getting my point. I need to end it like this because we're talking, I know the kind of messages that go out there. Every ancestral curse Needed to be broken. Jesus broke it. Ah, say amen like you like it. That's why you've heard me. If you've heard me preach for some time, that's why I preach the way I preach. That's why you don't see me here breaking ancestral curses. What I do is to remind people. Because if you don't know, it will appear as if you are in bondage. When you know it, the the knowledge that you have, what does it do? It sets you free. 
Let me add this one to it so I can close, please. I'm, I want to end. We'll follow this later. This is one of my favorite doctrine messages. Apostle, you've heard me preach many times. Why is it that there's no country run by black people that's balanced? Once I saw a woman talking about how rich the continent is, but she did not know how cursed the people on it are. Naturally speaking, Africa is one of the richest continents. Maybe rank, maybe, maybe Asia can compete with it. But not Europe, not North America. They can't compete with Africa. Why is it that things are the way they are? Let me summarize it. It is the effect of sin in the air, which Noah concentrated in the lives of black people. He did that. Noah did it. Wicked Noah. Wicked soul. That guy, when we get to heaven, he has to explain. But that's not the message. The message, please, my brethren, is that it has been broken in Christ. That's the message. The, that, the other one is not the message. That's history. Who's seen that this one should be born blind? Did Jesus answer that one? Why am I even wasting your time talking about where the thing came from? What matters is what? That Jesus has already broken it. I want you to know that you are not inferior to anybody on this earth. When Americans came and carried black people and carried them to America and made them slaves, it was the effect of Noah's curse. God's word had gone out from the mouth of Noah. And that's why they were slaves for such a long time. But right now, I want to explain something to you. You are free. Why am I saying it? Please don't sell yourself for a morsel of meat. When Satan wants to collect people back and put them in bondage, you know what he does? He gives them a morsel of meat. I want you to understand something. By the power of the sacrifice of Jesus, you can prosper anywhere in this world. Bow down your heads. Let's pray. Say, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Say, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. He's the Lamb of God. I'm just explaining what he came to do.